You're listening to Trending with Timory. So, what's trending? My guest today is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo, joining us here every Wednesday on Trending, but you might not have heard his story before. Most of us have experienced the coming out of a friend or a loved one, yet are they really getting what they need when there's this unanimous approval of a gay lifestyle that many people give or feel like they have to give in order to show their love for another person? Michael, your passion for marriage and family therapy came from your own healing journey. Can you begin with your own experience starting in middle school? Yeah, Timory, it's always good to be on and talk with you. And today it's a little bit less of the clinician hat that I come with and a little bit more of the personal story to share. So it's always a little bit vulnerable to share this with people, but I still think it's important that we talk about different angles and different people's stories. And mine may be different than your listeners have heard before, but I'm one of many, many voices who share similar experiences. So when I was in middle school, I began sensing like all young boys and young girls in adolescence to have some sexual longings. And they were kind of confusing and I didn't exactly know which direction they were guiding me. And then in time, I noticed that I was drawn more towards the boys my age. And I didn't even know really for what or why. It was a bit confusing. Until then, everything became more solidified at the point at which I was exposed and looked at homosexual pornography. Now, why is this important for me to share? Because we know in the clinical world and in the spiritual world that being exposed to pornography at a young age, I was thinking seventh grade at the time, impacts development of the mind and impacts sexual appetite development. So even though I had proclivities and orientation directions towards same-sex attraction, certainly pornography played a role and furthering these desires, these attractions, and this confusion, this what I would call sexual chaos. So at that time in my life, Timory, I began to have a great conflict because as you know, I was involved in church. I was involved in the Catholic community. I felt very connected to my mm-hmm. Catholic faith. And in fact, as I was wrestling with this pornography addiction, people assumed that I was the poster boy for Christianity in many ways always at church with the family on Sundays, and they did not know the secret struggle as even a young kid I was dealing with at that time. Wow, it's such a challenge because I think so many people think they often have to hide what's going on, especially if you grow up in a faith community, in a home uh, with, you know, loving family that believe in God. Yet, you know, it's easy to feel that sense of shame and confusion and not open up. What changed? Who did you end up opening up to and what kind of led you to the point of seeking out help? When I became a freshman in high school, I started to come to terms with the idea that I needed to stop figuring out a way how to stop looking at pornography. I knew because I felt a deep conflict. I felt like it was wrong, but I I was still drawn towards it because I had great emotional disparity in my life between what I wanted to get from the men in my life and what I was getting. And I mean that in an emotional sense, even just closeness, approval, affirmation, attention, and pornography seemed to fill that gap for me. But luckily, because I had an amazing young youth group program at my church in in Texas, we had a life teen organization at the time, 
And they kept highlighting to us the importance of who Jesus was in our lives. And Timur, I got to tell you, when I was a freshman in high school, I had probably the most powerful religious experience of my life in Eucharistic adoration for the first time. Um, and at that time, I really felt Jesus reveal himself to me and say, you know, this is real. I am here. And I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. It shook me to my core. And in the midst of that experience, I think God was preparing me for the trials to come. And what I mean by that is it was going to be tough because facing this and talking to a priest for the first time about it was not easy, but it's exactly what I needed at that time. Because in darkness, the sin can hide and the secrets create more pain. But when I started to bring it to light in confession, Timmy, with our priest named Father John, and I'll never forget him either because of what he did for me, I exposed to him my sin in the, in the sacrament of confession. And he helped make space for me to share openly about this same-sex attraction struggle for the first time in my life with anyone as a freshman in high school. And in that process, this priest had the courage to say, you know what, Michael, let's talk with your parents about this outside of confession. Are you willing to do that? And it it was terrifying because, you know, as you can imagine, uh, no 14-year-old boy that I know really wants to talk about these things with mom or dad. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, and I'm thinking, Michael, so, even about the ca- cases where working with women in crisis pregnancy, you know, teenagers, the worst part is often telling their parent what's going on in their life. And they need someone to go with them to kind of be that mediator or just person of comfort and support. Now, did um, your priest play that role for you or um, were you just ready mm-hmm. to go and talk yeah, he to did. your parents, your mom? I think it was your mom at the time, right? Right. Yeah. I wasn't quite comfortable talking with my dad at the time. Sadly, uh, my dad's a great man, but we just weren't as close then. And so I agreed to talk with my mom and the priest set up the meeting for us. I still remember it all these years later, probably 18 years ago. And we finally discussed it. And what I want to just applaud the priest for in this case was having the courage to challenge the cultural narrative on sexuality mm-hmm. instead of Amen. saying, you know, this means you're, you're gay, Michael, and this means this is what you can do, and, and we're going to help you come to terms with this and accept this lifestyle, because I know there are priests today who sadly might do that. But there are also priests like this man who are courageous and said, you don't have to be defined by this, and we want to help you get support to live according to your faith. Because he knew even at that time, I was a kid, but my faith mattered to me. Jesus mattered to me. And I knew that what the church taught was true about this. And there was a real conflict for me. Now, I will say, Tim Marie, this was the beginning of my journey. I'm 33 mm-hmm. now, and I'm very open. This has been a, a journey of ups and downs, of wrestling with God, of wrestling with my conscience. And it's one that ultimately led me to wanting, like you said, to being a therapist so I could help guide other people to various kinds of emotional, relational healing, whether it's through sexual chaos they're dealing with or other issues. But it started because some people, the Holy Spirit, moved in them to help us courageously face this issue and try to be open to God's call from the Holy Spirit and his church teachings on this matter. Amen. And so you have done work over the years then with the Breakthrough Clinic. We've also mentioned Healing and Peace Catholic Ministries. But you've worked in particular with a form of therapy called reintegrative therapy. And I want to dive into that a little bit later on as a great resource uh, for those people who might be struggling uh, themselves or maybe a friend or family member. But I want to touch on something briefly here, Michael, and that is you mentioned what a gift it was that you had a priest who was willing to help you 
through a healing process to challenge you to chastity. Now, I have had friends and have known many stories and having worked, especially in uh, the area of sexual moral ethics and with young people, so many young men and women, especially young men who have shared, like you, they came out to a priest. But they'll share that in those instances, they've been advised at times to explore their sexuality, to go out on dates with people of the same sex rather than offering them and inviting them into a life of chastity that all people are called to. Whether you're heterosexual, you experience same-sex attraction, whether you're married, we're all called to live that chaste lifestyle. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, too, that wherever the person is, their age level is going to impact how you speak with them at that time as well. As a 14-year-old, we didn't even have to talk about chastity specifically for him to say, I know what we're, you know, we, we did talk about that, Timory. We knew what chastity was. We were even part of like a, a group, a high school youth group that discussed it regularly. But in that moment, it was more, we wanted to find a way to support me. The team, the team was on my side to support me in living according to my conscience. And the, the thing that I find so funny is it's, <laughs> you don't even have to say the word chastity to just say like, this doesn't define you. And that often mm, is enough. Amen. This Amen. struggle doesn't define you. And then that can open the conversation later to, okay, we're in relationship with each other as mom and son or as father and son. This doesn't define you. How can we support you to live according to the church teachings? Then maybe the, the detailed discussions about chastity or support. But that's not even the first step. It's just don't feel like you have to affirm a narrative contradictory to your conscience. And part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today, Timory, was because I have friends who've come out recently as gay that were Catholic and worked in Catholic ministries, and I just see litany of commentary online saying, yay, good for you, we support you unconditionally, we love you. Mm -hmm. And okay, I'm not here to throw stones either. Uh, I'm the last person that should be throwing a stone at somebody working through sexual challenges. I'm a human being, I'm a sinner in need of God's mercy, and God is at loving work in my life. But I needed people to stand up for the church and to stand up for what they saw I could have out of life that mm -hmm. I deserved a path other than what homosexuality could offer me. I deserved more than that. I deserved the peace of Christ. I deserved freedom in my life. And somebody had to have the courage to do that for me. I needed that at that time. And instead, many people just fawn over these coming out stories as though that's the way single-handedly to show support for people. But that is not the only way. That's what I'm here to say. There are other ways to support people. You know, Michael, what you just said, you needed people to stand up for the church, for the way and the life the church teaches. You needed people to stand up for you. And I think that that's the most difficult thing about the LGBTQ movement is that there are a lot of people who, although may not be living the, that type of lifestyle, are overly empathetic to living the lifestyle rather than empathetic to experience an attraction or um, kind of a confusion, gender dysphoria disorder, whatever it might be. And kind of just to reemphasize, you needed people to stand up for you, for what is true, for what is healthy. So, Michael, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory. My guest today is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo. And I want to challenge you, if you think that this is a testimony that someone you know will really benefit from hearing, invite them to join us and listen to the show now, or you can catch the podcast just a little later on this evening at relevantradio.com slash trending. 
Michael, I'd like to talk about approval versus condemnation when it comes to same-sex attraction. Uh, I can say it all I want, but some people have a hard time understanding that, you know, key phrase that we hear all the time, love the sinner, hate the sin. Address the sin, but always show that unconditional love for a person. Can you help but talk about this? Maybe people who showed this type of love to you and how you two now work with people who experience same-sex attraction in the same way? There are so many stories I hear about people coming out to their family and then being abandoned or being told to get out of the house and abused. And that is horrible. The church does not, from what I understand, I've never heard a bishop of our church (laughs) in the United States, for instance, advocate for that. So sometimes those stories need to be heard so that the culture can learn from how to treat people with unconditional love. But what also needs to be heard is that there are plenty of people who are providing unconditional love as well, but just in a non-gay affirming way. And what I mean by that is in my life, I had family members. My mother drove me to therapy every week for years because she knew I wanted to address these questions about sexuality in a therapeutic environment with somebody who would not try to push a value system on me that was against my Catholic conscience. So I just wanted to explore what it meant to deal with homosexual feelings in the context of a therapist environment. And my mom sacrificed every week money, time, my father as well, year after year to help encourage me to find the path that I wanted to walk according to my conscience. That's unconditional love. It's not just going to a pride parade and telling someone that you, you're going to stand in you know, line with them at their gay wedding. That's not the only way to live this out. And we need people who are courageous enough to stand by the many, many men and women who are similar to me, who have faith and values in something bigger than their sexual proclivities. And that that faith, that hope for either death and resurrection in Christ or in a God that is bigger than themselves, that is worth more to them than just who their sexual partners are. And we should support them in that. This is why I also appreciate uh, the utilization of the language that the Catholic Church uses, and it's something, especially as a communicator, that matters to me, especially because I, too, have friends and family members who experience same-sex attraction. Yet so often I hear people of faith who refer to those homosexuals or those gay people, and sure, maybe the community itself would like to be referred to as a gay person, But gay is not your identity, and same-sex attraction is not your identity. And so I always say a person who experiences same-sex attraction, just Mm -hmm. like if we're referring to someone with Down syndrome, we should talk about a person with Down syndrome, not a Down syndrome baby, for example, where we allow the whole definition to be the struggle rather than the person. And even further... When people come out, sometimes I hear them say, well, I tried to to do things the church's way, or I went to therapy and it didn't help me. Whatever the issue is, if you're a faithful Catholic, your desires, regardless of of their fluidity, let's say your proclivity towards alcoholism or your proclivity towards sexual issues, do not define your behavior or your path. We'll be back here on Trending with Timory. Maybe you feel isolated in your Catholic faith and you're struggling with same-sex attraction, or you have a child, niece, nephew, or family member and friend who's struggling with isolation, the teaching of the Catholic Church, and a same-sex attraction. We'll continue that conversation here with Michael Gasparo on Trending with Timory. Timory will be right back 
You can reach her on Instagram and Twitter at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctor that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery. Michael has been incredibly gracious, sharing a testimony that I cannot even imagine how difficult it is to share on such a public platform. Uh, So I just want to thank you, Michael. Michael's an associate marriage and family therapist, but he's sharing kind of what led him and inspired him to work in marriage and family therapy. And it started with his story of experiencing same-sex attraction and a struggle with a pornography addiction and this beautiful calling and challenge to live according to the Catholic Church's teaching of chastity, which you have embraced so joyfully and so willingly to be that witness. But at the same time, you've emphasized to me privately that you don't want people to weaponize your story and say, well, look, Michael's done it. He's been able to, you know, fight the good fight and live a chaste lifestyle. Why can't you? We always want people to know that this life is possible, but we want people to understand that there's a serious struggle involved. And there's a struggle involved internally, as you know, because I still have temptations towards same-sex issues. And there's a struggle involved externally because we now live in a culture where it is not only considered normal to enact homosexual relationships, it's actually considered crazy if you don't. And and you are marginalized. I am personally uh, a recipient of that at times. Marginalization if you deny your internal desires in order to try to live chastely. Similarly, even in religious circles, there's sometimes pressure. I know in California, a lot of times, it's almost more accepted that you be like a gay Catholic than a Catholic who struggles <laughs> with same-sex attraction. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny, but it's kind of my experience that that's been the case. So we don't know what people are going through and why they've ended up where they are. I think that our first step should be to try to hear their story with curiosity and compassion and, and hold truth for them without throwing stones, because I think Jesus modeled that pretty well for us. And it's interesting you say that because it's different cases in different communities and states. But I even think of the story of Joseph Chambra, who was involved in the mm-hmm. porn industry, who was a male escort, who experienced and lived a same-sex lifestyle for some time. But he talks about how living here in Northern California, specifically in his instance, uh, he's been chased out of churches for being someone who says, I'm now fighting to live a chaste lifestyle. He has been Mm -hmm. chased out of a church who agrees with the battle. He is fighting to live chastity in this culture. And so, you know, we go to two extremes and over approval and this identity as gay Catholic to, you know, kind of this condemnation. And it's a real struggle. So I want to talk about this um, from the perspective, too, that I think is so important of people will say, OK, well, one is being gay a sin. And we've been talking about that. You know, it's the attraction is not sinful. It's the actions ultimately that are oriented toward sin. Can you talk about this a little bit more? 
Yeah, I think it's good for us to remember that these attractions themselves often are even an indicator of an underlying good desire, which is for closeness and intimacy with people of the same sex, which we all are wired for. Jesus had male friends. You know, all of the women in the Bible have female companionship and and female friendship. So those same-sex relationships and the desires for closeness are good. It's when they become eroticized that they start to miss the mark for what is really a, a calling for our own dignity, to live our dignity out in a way that is most uplifting to us. And this is where I want to be the carrier of good news. It's challenging news, and it's difficult for me too, but it's good news of the gospel. And and by the way, the good news is that we all struggle, but ultimately the closer we are to following Christ, the more joy and freedom we have. So this, this sin is when we enact these behaviors and when we live them out in a, some kind of visceral way, either through porn and masturbation or lust or homosexual enactment. But even then, Timory, it's good to remember that our job is not to to determine other people's culpability. Our job is to highlight the church's teaching so they can help lead people to truth. But Mm -hmm. it is good to also remember as Catholics that even among liberal psychology organizations, born this way as it goes, is debunked, gone. We know that people are not born gay. There are genetic predispositions that make up a percentage of the development of sexual orientation, Timory. But as the American Psychological Association says themselves, most scientists believe there's some complex combination of nature and nurture that includes why people develop what they would call LGBT orientation. So we're not born that way, but it doesn't mean that people chose to have those attractions and having them alone is not a sin. It's so true. And I think it's important to bring the perspective, not only where you mentioned the American Psychological Association, which is such a contradiction to itself, because if you read the APA handbook, the handbook makes clear the born gay theory isn't there, the science isn't there, that, you know, there are elements in the culture that can influence this. And I know in your work, you often um, deal with sex addiction, you deal with addressing um, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, with past traumas and sexual abuses and how often when you start to heal and address those specific issues, often the same-sex attraction is a byproduct that starts to dissipate or decrease in that attraction. And that brings me to the mindset from a faith-filled perspective, Michael, that we are ultimately, if we truly believe the anthropology that the church puts forth, we're created with intellect and free will. And yes, there may be a slight genetic tendency towards something, but that does not define your reality. You have the ability to come to know something, to reason through something in your intellect and freely choose it. Does that mean that there's not a battle? No, but that's what's so fundamental about the human person is freedom. We choose the life we live. And I live this battle on a daily basis. And some days it's easier than others. And to be quite frank with you, Over the many years of spiritual conversion and therapeutic intervention and family and friend support, I have found that my proclivity and interest in same-sex behaviors and tendencies has diminished. It's been reduced, and my interest as possibly being married to a woman one day has dramatically increased. So, in other words, I don't feel limited by my struggles to possibly live out a calling to the vocation of marriage to a woman one day. And many people told me that wasn't possible. 
But for me, it seems like it is possible because I believe God has made things possible in my life through the power of his healing. Now, I will say, let's say for some people, their same-sex attractions are never diminished. No matter how much they look at their underlying causes, maybe they find no underlying causes, maybe they never change one bit. That doesn't change the truth of the church's teachings, which is an invitation to live in the freedom of God's call to chastity as a single person if you're celibate. And one of the reasons I highlight that too, Timory, is because these are not just ideologies. The way you live out your life sexually has an impact on your temporal and spiritual well-being. So it's not just for the sake of being like a no-fun Nelly or something. The church is like, don't do that. We don't want you to have any fun. It's really because they see the bigger picture of what your calling is and your dignity as a human being should not be to engage in things that are beneath the calling that God has invited you to. Now, Michael, what was your journey of hope and healing? I know you mentioned that this is something that you still struggle with, but you've also had some key tools, including the church. The church is called a chastity. And also I know things such as the Breakthrough Clinic and Reintegrative Therapy. Why have those been such a rich form of therapy that looks the whole person rather than reducing a person to an attraction? Well, one of the first things is that the reintegrative therapy takes a mindful approach, meaning there's the pro-gay, the anti-gay, and then the mindful middle. And the pro-gay approach says you had a feeling, an attraction, oh, yay, oh, yes, go act on it, make your identity, engage in it. That's not helpful. That's the secular LGBT agenda, as some people call it. Then there's sort of like the anti-gay, sort of stressful, uh, having any of these tendencies means you're a bad person, oh, no approach. That's sort of the traditional model for people that get angry at their kids and kick them out of the house when they find out they're struggling with this. That's the oh no approach. What we advocate at Reintegrative Therapy is the mindful middle of just, oh, I wonder what that's about. Okay, let's help you deal with it. And we look with non-anxious curiosity at what underlying factors may be for some people contributing to this difficulty. Was it relationship with parents growing up? Was it possibly difficulties in childhood due to sexual abuse or a whole combination of factors like we've mentioned before, such as sexual abuse or obsessive tendencies? And as we address those issues with standard psychotherapeutic methods, many clients experience a reduction in the pull towards same-sex attractions or behaviors as a result. But even if they don't, we support reducing shame and increasing a sense of self-acceptance and of unconditional love of God regardless of someone's sexual proclivities. And those things in my own therapy, Timory, have helped me tremendously, as well as having deep and growing intimate relationships with important male friends in my life. Also, continuing to practice spiritual accountability with male brothers that I have who help me to stay on target with my goals with chastity. And when I make mistakes or slip up or have difficulties, I can reach out to them. The sacraments, all of these things together help me try to live according to God's call for my life. Although, like I said, I'm human and I need the grace of God above all else. Amen. That's Michael Gasparo joining us here on Trending with Timory. If you'd like to share this episode, just head over to relevantradio.com forward slash trending. We can share this episode that will be available online at the end of the day as a podcast. Also, I've just tweeted out links to re- reintegrativetherapy.com that Michael has been mentioning. You can find it on Twitter and my Facebook because these are incredible resources for you 
or someone you know who is struggling with same-sex attraction. The church has so many resources, also including the Courage Apostolate, which, by the way, uh, Deacon Patrick Lappert, that's Dr. Patrick Lappert, who was with us yesterday on Trending, is actually one of the chaplains for his local Courage Apostolate chapter there in Alabama. Michael, I know there's so much more that you and I can unpack, and I'm also going to, in the show notes today, include a link to a longer form of your story that you shared before on Trending, um, where we get into some of the other elements of this issue. But kind of for those who are listening, can you just briefly touch on how there is joy and happiness in living a chaste, single lifestyle in conformity with the Catholic Church for someone who's experiencing same-sex attraction. It's so funny that you, you bring that up because I think we often forget too that how many young adults are also just called to live chastely because they're not married. <laughs> and right. it's it's just where our struggle is together. And it, I know some people don't like the word struggle. I use that because sometimes it is a challenge, but there's also a great gift in it. And the gift to me is that Anytime I sense those temptations are growing or I have these difficulties in those moments, it's a sort of a yellow flag to say, hey, what's going on with my emotional life and my spiritual life? It kind of brings me back to my center. It can be a thermometer for me to where I need to focus my energy and attention. And the joy is that I say this over and over again, but I mean it. The closer I am towards living the way God has called me to live, the more joy I have more joy in my life as a celibate single person than I ever had at times when I was fighting hard against God and trying to do things my way and living not celibately and trying to find ways to usurp the church's teachings on this issue. So the closer I can form myself to the pattern of God's call for my life, the more joy I have. And it doesn't mean there's not struggle or challenge with it, but it truly does transform the way I look at myself and other people as well. That's Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo joining us here every Wednesday on Trending with Timory. The resource we've mentioned is reintegrativetherapy.com. Again, that's reintegrativetherapy.com. We posted links on social media as well, and it will be in the show notes. Michael, thank you for joining us, and I look forward to the questions that we'll have the opportunity to take together as people learn and are incredibly influenced by your story. And I want to thank you for I can imagine how difficult it has been to share with us. And I ask others to join me in praying for you daily, for your witness and for your experience that you yourself are going through day in and day out. You can listen to more of Trending with Timmy via the Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com slash trending. I want to extend an invitation for you to join me. If you haven't heard the news, Trending with Timory is now daily on Relevant Radio, Monday through Friday. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, here's the exciting thing. We now have a daily podcast. So I want to encourage you to go and subscribe to the podcast. We have our very own Relevant Radio app where you can listen to all the podcasts of Trending, pause, play, and even share them. Or you can now subscribe again on your favorite podcasting apps whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or let us know where you want to hear us. That way you can access your favorite podcast, of course, Trending with Timory, and not miss a single one of those options for the daily shows and the various topics that we cover. 
Check out the links below in the description where you can find the links to your favorite podcasting locations because we have two separate podcasts. I want to make sure you're getting that daily dose so that you can go a little bit deeper. And don't forget, if you want us to talk about a specific topic or you have a question, just head over to relevantradio.com trending where you can connect on social media and ask your questions.